0: Things. Things. podcast
1: Hey Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and welcome to the first episode of our Dragon Con 2016 coverage. That's right, the next several episodes of the show are going to lead up to Dragon Con right here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we're going to be talking to folks that are involved with the biggest and greatest nerd gathering of all time. So, get ready because this week's episode, I'm going to be talking to the Ambassador of Joy himself, Mr. Joshua Holden. It's very exciting. You'll learn a little bit more about him shortly. First, I want to tell you about the day that I have had attempting to prepare for Dragon Con. I got up this morning very early for me. I'm not an early riser. I'm a late stay stayer-upper guy? I don't know. That didn't roll off the tongue very smoothly. But anyway... I tend to stay up kind of late and get up also kind of late. Like, left to my own devices, I get up between 10 and 11. This morning, I got up at 7.30, ready to attack the day. I went to the park to walk my three miles, and it started raining. Yes, raining on me on the park. But that was kind of the best thing that's happened today. So it was nice and cool outside. It was just a little bit of a sprinkle. And as Little John or Little Wayne or Little Spanky or Little Poop or whatever the fuck his name is in the commercial taught me, my phone is champagne proof. So I assumed it would also be uh, sprinkle rainwater proof. And it didn't even get wet at all because, it, like I said, it was just a light sprinkle. So I was not concerned. I listened to the Stone Cold podcast, walked my three miles, got back in the car, and I, and I was dry. It only rained for like. 10 or 15 minutes, so I was, I was basically dry by the time I was done walking. Got back in the car. I was supposed to stop and get my new favorite treat, some avocados from the store, but I'm going to tell you guys, I worked yesterday. Uh, last night, I, I got some stuff done down here in the Phantom Zone. I got up this morning, and I didn't smell great, and then I went and walked in the park, and I when I walk, I, I say I walk, this is not a leisurely stroll. This is, I, I, I like Dewey Cox. I walk hard. Uh, so I work up a sweat. And I did not smell great. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to expose other human beings to this this funk that I've got going on right now. So I just came home and uh, had, had something else. Took my shower. Got my shit together. Left the house on a quest. My mask guy, as, as those of you... Who are patrons and who went to supportphantom.com and donated anywhere from a dollar to whatever you want, however much you want. Go to supportphantom.com and you can help support the show, pay the bills, pay for costumes, pay for everything that I do. Uh, Not not the toys and crap, obviously. I'm not using your money for that. Uh, But hosting pictures and podcasts and all that kind of stuff, it costs money. And let me tell you, sponsors, you don't get a lot from sponsors, so I, I rely on patrons who get neat stuff in exchange. But anyway, my patrons already know that my mask guy, uh, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but let's just say he isn't making masks anymore. Not for me, anyway. Uh, I, we didn't have any kind of falling out. Just the lines of communication are closed. So I'm trying to figure out how to do this myself. And i not... Obviously, I'm not going to have anything for DragonCon this year. I've got my old masks for DragonCon, but I'm not going to have anything new this year because he flaked out on me. So I'm trying to kind of cobble something together and at the same time learn this craft myself. So maybe next year I will have a a mask that I have made on my own that is suitable uh, to be worn. Or I'll just drop the damn masks altogether like I've been talking about doing for like two years now. But anyway... I was going to go to Joanne Fabric and obtain the the materials to start learning how to craft these masks. So I bring my mask with me. I go to Joanne and I say, lady, what the heck is this stuff and where can I get it? And she looks at it she's like, I don't know what this is. We don't have it. Uh, we've got the, the backing on here, but we, we don't, I don't know what this is. Try Hobby Lobby. Okay, fine. Drive up the road to Hobby Lobby because they are a little hobbier. They've got a little wider selection of crafts and crafts materials. So it's reasonable to think that they might have this trim that I'm looking for. uh, Which, if you look at pictures of me on Facebook or whatever, uh, what I'm looking for is kind of a vinyl material that's the trim on all of my masks. The stuff that surrounds my eyes and my nose and my mouth. Uh, And it's very difficult to find. As I found out when I went to Hobby Lobby, found somebody who was a lot more helpful. A uh, young girl did her best to suggest alternatives or ways to get the, then they had nothing. Hobby Lobby had nothing. Although I did buy Mrs. Troublemaker a nice painting of an octopus. So I got that out of it. So I'm way out in the middle of nowhere, a place that I do not normally go because I wanted to hit these fabrics. So I was determined I was going to get this stuff. I did not get this stuff. I had one more thing that I had to do today to prepare for Dragon Con, part of my Dragon Con prep, and I'm announcing it here. Uh, my patrons heard it first, as they hear everything first, but uh, now you guys are hearing it. I will be hosting a panel for the horror track. Yes, that's right. I am expanding my horizons, and I will be working with the wonderful folks of the Dragon Con horror track this year. I'm very excited, because as you guys know, I freaking love horror. Uh, I will be hosting a panel about The Shining Uh, the movie, the book uh, potentially the TV movie as well I suppose and I want to brush up because I haven't read The Shining in years I watch the movie annually if not more often Uh, I haven't read the book in a while when I was a kid I didn't read it Uh, it wasn't one of my picks because eh, it's just about humans who cares because I was a big I was a monster supernatural spooky stuff guy and yes I understand the shining supernatural but you know what I mean I liked it and Tommy knockers and and stuff about these visceral real creatures and things and the shining was was something a little bit different so I read it when I was in high school Uh, I know I've read it at least once or twice since then, but it could have been a decade since I've read the thing. So, I need to brush up. So, I saved my last stop for the day was going to be at my local used bookstore. Because, ever since I was a kid, I've been going to used bookstores. I love them. I love the smell. I love the organization, how it's just everything by an author, bam, on this old handcrafted wooden shelves built onto the walls it's a little dark and dingy I I just I love that atmosphere so I was excited I'm going to the used bookstore and if there's one thing that I remember about the used bookstores everyone I've ever been to is they have a massive wall of king with every like eight copies of everything Stephen King has ever written copies from the 70s the 80s the 90s every reprint they've ever done because people pick up Stephen King they read it like junk food and they take it back Uh, because it's Stephen King it's omnipresent we've all read his books five or six times and then you know eventually you run out of shelf space you know I'll put it back and and I know it'll be here used when I need it again well guess what my third stop today my final one the one that I saved for last because it was the one that I knew Would be a success, even if the other ones let me down. I go in. Not only do they not have a wall of Stephen King, they probably have 20 Stephen King books, and that's including duplicates, and no Shining. Nothing. Not a sausage. What the heck, people. So I was like, you know what? There is only one thing left for me to do that I have complete control over today, barring massive electronic or power failure, and that is record the opening for this week's episode of the Needless Things podcast. And that is what I have done today, right now, for you guys. So I, I told you about my day, I've told you it's the start of our Dragon Con coverage, and now I'll tell you a little bit about Mr. Joshua Holden two years ago, he performed not only at the Late Night Puppet Slam at Dragon Con, but also at the National Puppet Slam that was happening concurrently with Dragon Con at the Center for Puppetry Arts. Uh, he, and and he'll, we, we get to the whole story, but I want to tell you why it was so important for me not only to have Joshua on the show, but for him to be our kickoff guest for our Dragon Con coverage. And that's because he performed uh, with his partner, Mr. Nicholas, uh, who is a a simple but uh, adorable and wonderful sock puppet. Uh, Joshua and Mr. Nicholas performed a segment that I suppose is titled Wear a Cape. And the story is beautiful. The segment is beautiful. And it was the final performance at the 2014 Late Night Puppet Slam. And it made a room full of Dragon Con goers weep together and have a moment of of ultimate affectionate heartfelt fellowship uh very 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 much like we all feel about baby Groot and we are Groot from guardians of the galaxy to me that is a universally loved moment whether you are from new york chicago or russia or czechoslovakia or somewhere in latin america or china or whatever that baby groot dancing or uh we are groot it gets to you it touches you it reminds you why we're we are groot and joshua holden performed a similar feat for for a uh, much more limited crowd at the Puppet Slam at Dragon Con, and it was beautiful and wonderful, and we still, to this day, two years later, remember it as one of the high points of any Dragon Con ever. So now you get to sit here and listen to Joshua's story, the story of that Dragon Con, and uh, about how he's going to be back once again this year at Dragon Con 2016. He's a wonderful, lovely person. You're gonna absolutely love this interview. But first, we must music. Please welcome to the Needless Things podcast, Mr. Joshua Holden, the Ambassador of Joy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> okay, what? how I like to start these conversations off is with uh, how I was first introduced to the guest. And in this case, uh, Mr. Bo Brown, uh, the head of the puppetry track for Dragon Con and, and many other things as well. Uh, kind of cued me into something a couple of years ago that he was going to have a very special guest for the late-night Puppet Slam at Dragon Con. And he said, you can't tell anybody this is a surprise, but here's a video. Prepare to be entranced. And Bo is one of the most delightful and enthusiastic people I have ever met in my life. Likewise. So... Everything that he recommends, one I get excited for, and two I think okay, I'm going to go in and and it's going to be delightful. But perhaps he's overselling a bit. You never know. And I watched. I I want to say the one that I saw was uh, Puppet People, a, a performance of Puppet People. Uh, but it was as delightful as he said, and I was like, oh boy, I'm excited. And I taught. I I got back to Bo and I said are you sure we can't tell anybody about this? He said no this is a surprise we want people to be surprised and delighted and I think maybe uh, once Con actually started I I think it leaked out a bit that you were going to be there but your performance uh, of Wear a Cape moved every. Uh we were there in the crowd and we were all crying (laughs) It is one of the most delightful, inspirational, wonderful things I've ever seen at DragonCon, and that's saying something.
0: That warms my heart more than I can possibly say. Oh, and and
1: we were talking about it for months afterwards. Uh, It was one of those things where people that weren't even there We're referencing it, you know, referencing wear a cape and and that being the magic of Dragon Con. Uh So I I just before we get anywhere, I want to thank you for that experience and how special it was.
0: Of course, of course.
1: And it was I actually got some video of it and and I, you know, I kind of went back and forth on whether I wanted to put it up or not. And it wasn't the best quality video. Because uh, we we were kind of halfway back, and you know how that room is, right? And I thought, you know what? No, this was this was for us that that were there. Yeah, it it was it was magical, and I remember it. And, and this is going to be an odd comparison, but. It will always stick out just as well to me as my very first concert, which was Run-DMC and the Beastie Boys <laughs> in 1987. <laughs> I have I have the same clarity of recall about both of those events, though in completely different ways.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so oh.
1: uh, ha- having uh, laid out my fondness for your work and, and the magic that you bring, Let's talk a little bit about your background and, and how you got into puppetry and, and what
0: inspires you. Sure. So, I mean, I've been, a, I've been a performer since I was a little kid. About seven years old, I started performing on stage. And the thing, I mean, the thing that I connect with with the people at DragonCon is it feels like people at DragonCon are so passionate about something really specific, mm-hmm. and they're, they're unabashed with, with their passion for it. And I found that as a little as as like as a seven year old, I found that same that similar passion for performing. And it turned into a passion for musical theater eventually. And while uh the rest of my peers and friends at a young age were listening to pop music, I was cooped up in my my bedroom listening to musical theater just incessantly. And so even now when people say, what did you listen to in the 90s? Like, what were your favorite bands? And I say, I, I, nothing. I was listening to Bye Bye Birdie and <laughs> and Showbo. I mean, these really old musicals. Um,
1: so what you were listening to was actually a lot more fun than what everybody else was listening
0: to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was that. And my, my older brother, my oldest brother, Michael, made me a tape when I was 10 years old called 10 Years and Never Getting Younger. And it was full of Weird Al Yankovic songs oh. and um, Dr. Demento show songs, and I would listen to this over and over and over. And so these parodies and these weird voices and and just these really delightful, hilarious songs were really the soundtrack to my life pro- all through like elementary school and middle school. Um, and that carried on up and through college. and I, I continued to, to study theater and acting. And then it wasn't until after college that I, I fell into puppetry. Um, and it was a total accident. It was in Chicago. There was a master puppeteer looking for an apprentice. And I needed the money. And someone said, you want to audition for this? And I said, sure, you, well, why not? I, I've never picked up a puppet before. And I did this really weird audition. And I had no sense as to how it went. And I got a call a few days later, and they said, "Yeah, he wants you to come help him build this show." And that was the start of it. And that was about ten years ago. Oh, you wow! So, I- but
1: you, but up to that point, I mean, you, you, I'm had obviously had exposure to Muppets and Sesame Street and all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, but yeah. What,
1: like how much thought, not necessarily for yourself, but just into the entertainment aspect of it. How much thought had you really put into puppetry? Like, was it on your radar, or was it just Oh, that's a thing people do.
0: I didn't even know that was a thing that people did. I, I liked the Muppets. I thought the Muppets were cool. Um, Sesame Street, I liked as a kid, but I wasn't YouTubing any any clips of, of Sesame Street or the Muppets. And sure, sure, I thought they were fun. I thought they were, you know, they were great. Um, but I was not focused on that at all. And when I first had that audition, I, that was like the entrance in, an entrance into this whole world that I did not even know existed and since then I've fallen madly in love with it and have become so involved in this community and can't imagine my life without it really cannot imagine my life without it
1: some of the most one and again thanks to to my friendship with Bo some of the most wonderful people I've met uh, just I I we were actually talking the other day about his guests for Con this year and uh, he, he was talking about people that I might be able to interview and said, oh, he's wonderful, she's wonderful. And I was like, "Bo, I've never met anybody involved with puppetry that wasn't wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it seems to draw a, a certain amount of, of sort of delightful individual.
0: Yes, it certainly can. It certainly can. But, but then when you meet those those jaded, kind of darker individuals, it really sticks out and you think, oh, gosh, this is something that doesn't feel right here. But right, they do right. exist, right, For the, for the most part. We are a community, a really supportive community of, of love and very giving to one another and really fits in with, with DragonCon, which, which I've, yes. I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I've never, that last DragonCon was my first entrance into any convention, any con. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I knew nothing going into it. Nothing. Oh
1: yes, then we will definitely discuss that. But <laughs> but let's go back to your apprenticeship and being part of what who uh, what what sort of work were you doing?
0: Yeah, it was a one man show. It was called the Selfish Giant, and this man Blair Thomas did. It was like a pop up story with puppets. So it was um, there's a live musician on stage and a puppeteer. And he animated something like 15 to 20 different puppets. So, like, a puppet would move and stay in one place. And then he'd bring out another puppet, and it would move and kind of build a scene. So this visual storytelling was all being built and expanded upon on the stage. Oh, wow. And so I was learning and there was multiple styles of puppetry within this. No Muppet-style stuff. Mostly, like, Bunraku and um, and just small little, like... Um, uh, smaller hand puppets that had like these little mechs in them, like a bird's wh- whose wings would flap and, but he was a very spiritual, wonderful puppeteer and he really got into teaching me how to bring puppets to life. And well, it wasn't and- just move here, move here. It was like, this is how you make a puppet come to life. And I thought, I don't know anything other than this but okay I'll follow what you told me.
1: <laughs> and and for our listeners there are many different kinds of puppetry. Uh you know more than just, you know, mo- putting your hand in something and manipulating the mouth and the arms. There's uh you know shadow puppets and marionettes and and just vast different kinds.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was that was really the the beginning of it. And so from from there that is what that laid the foundation for my my work as a puppeteer, and there's a lot of a lot of the style that I do today in, in my own original work. I really credit Black back to Blair Thomas, which was the man that originally hired me because he really taught me how to respect the art form, and like I said before, like the the, the, the keys into picking up an inanimate object and making it seem as though it is alive, and he taught me. Really, the, the the foundation of that, and I think that is what really gets me going. And I think that audiences really connect with with my work is is the the, the life that comes out of the puppets that I use.
1: Well, and that uh, there's a huge difference because it seems like up until that point you were very focused on personal performance, uh, and there is a big difference. I mean, you're you're adding so many more elements by working with you know puppets. Uh, of any kind
0: did did the challenge of that maybe attract you yeah I mean at first I didn't I didn't really didn't like it at first it was way too much of a challenge because previous to this experience I found that I I kept immersing myself or finding myself in an environment in which was just building upon stuff that I had already known and I was really thriving in the projects and the work that I was involved in and then all of a sudden I, I come upon this brand new art form and at first felt as though I had no entrance into it and thought, oh my gosh, this is these puppets are just showing me how incapable I am of everything. It just it, 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 I, A lot of new puppeteers, when you pick up a puppet for the first time, it feels as though this object is working against you and just wants to make you feel like an utter failure. And right. I gave into that and felt that way, like 100%. And I thought, this is not for me. Oh, no. And then once something happened, I mean, during a performance, I it all clicked and realized that, Everything that I had learned as a performer and as a storyteller was completely applicable to this new art form. It was all just filtered into this object, this how, you know, everything that I know about it. I can put all my energy and all my thoughts and all my feelings into this handmade creature or object or animal. And it was all there. And from that moment on, it became really exciting. I realized, wow, I can take. This is a whole new way of telling stories and a whole new way of expressing myself, and it was more interesting to me than than being an actor. And it was it was easier to find work that way. And it, whereas, you know, I had a lot of friends that a lot of friends that were in the general pool of I want to be an actor, and now I was in this really niche area of puppetry. I'm still an actor, but I use puppets.
1: Right, right. To, You've got to to much more
0: these right, right. So my my, my focus and my my world became so much more laser focused.
1: I, I get what you're saying about the uh, getting it to do what you want. I, I was able to get up on stage for Puppet Improv, uh, last year and do a bit with Tyler Bunch and Leslie Carrera Rudolph. <laughs> and you lucky man! I oh my gosh, one of the highlights of my life. I could not oh, believe okay. it. Uh, and I and I asked Bo afterward. I was like, "Did you set that up?" And he said, "No, Tyler just grabbed you because uh, you were there with your big silly mask on." Uh, oh and you know they they helped me. It, it was just amazing. But uh, they gave me this puppet and the whole time I'm watching myself in the monitor and trying to manipulate this guy and make him look natural and, you know, also be somewhat funny. And yeah, I had those moments of why aren't you doing what I want? Why are you so high? What is happening? Where is your other arm? And I I finally just gave up on one of the arms, but, uh, (laughs) but at the same time, I loved it because, to me puppetry is a medium for everyone it's it's kind of a universal appeal in that we all understand what's going on we all understand the the little character whatever the interaction may be and i you know i got to experience that for a few minutes and it was awesome
0: that's so cool those two are just the most giving, most wonderful, some of the most wonderful people in our puppetry community. They're, oh my gosh, just incredible!
1: I, I, I couldn't have have felt more at home doing yeah. something
0: I had never done before. <laughs> right, and I mean they're at, they're at the top of the game. I mean Tyler's on all the Muppet stuff. He was in all the Muppet movies and Leslie, Leslie is similarly, she's in a lot of, she's, I think she's in a couple of Muppet movies and she's immersed in Sesame Street.
1: Yes. And it's, yes. you know,
0: the equivalent of this in the acting world, you see these people that are really big stars and they're somewhat untouchable. Whereas Leslie and Tyler, who I would consider to be at the top of really the, the top of the food chain in, 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 the puppetry world. And they could not be more giving and more friendly and approachable that if you're just like just entering into puppetry for the first time they're they are they are just as accessible to be your friend as anyone else and that is like the prime example of what i love about the puppetry community
1: yes you very very it's it's so funny because something that requires so many different skills to be good at you would think would have a, a lot of talent that's you know maybe kind of snooty about it or maybe sort of exclusive about what they do uh but you guys are all just so welcoming and and so enthusiastic about sharing your craft
0: yeah yeah so yeah i think that's just the community that's built and i think there's a there's this unwritten rule that this is what this is what we this is what has been fostered from generations before us and I'm one of the younger ones coming up and I find nothing, nothing presents itself to me to, to, to change the community in any way other than just to keep fostering this feeling because it, that's what it had, that's what it always has been. And I think, I really think that it, that's what it's always going to be if we, if all of us keep fostering that. And it's, yeah, it's such a gift. It's great.
1: Well, and I think a part, part of the, uh, spirit uh, of inclusiveness, I guess, is the amount of teamwork that's involved in a lot of the aspects of
0: puppetry. Mm. Yeah, there's there's that, and there's also a lot of solitude when we're not together, when we don't come together in like a conference or a festival. It can be really lonely. You can be really, really lonely being in your studio, working on your own, and then you get together with like 500 of your friends from around the country and all these people that are passionate about this really weird art form. Come together, and I think there's something about that too, of this excitement coming together and yeah. people learning new things and like trying new. Like I found this new glue that I can't wait to share with everybody. Right, 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 Excited about the glue, and I don't know. It's just I think there's part of that too.
1: And, well, and and as you said, in and, and I mentioned puppet people before, which the listeners, you guys, can go. Uh, Go to YouTube and check out the Joshua Show, and you can actually find puppet people. But you, as as you and Mister Nicholas discuss, uh, we're puppet people. We're weirdos.
0: Yeah, wonderful weirdos. <laughs> yes, yep,
1: absolutely. <laughs> uh, so you apprentice what sounds like a, a fairly involved and complex performance. Yeah, uh, where where did you go from there? You've discovered your your interest in it. Once you got comfortable. With puppetry, at what what point did Mr. Nicholas come along?
0: Oh my gosh! So Mr. Nicholas didn't come along for about five years after that. So we were—I was performing for other companies after after that first experience. People kept hiring me and saying, oh, you're a puppeteer, right? And I would say, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah. How much are you paying me? Yeah, yes, I'm a puppeteer. <laughs> absolutely. I hope no one has any idea that I'm totally faking. The, the classic
1: actor, yes, I can ride a horse.
0: Right, right, right. And then um, so I got – I started gaining a little confidence. And Then I moved to New York City, and I auditioned for the Broadway tour of Avenue Q, and I booked that. And so that was my first really big job, and I traveled the country for about a year on that show. Um And I did a couple other tours that were pretty big, and I was getting some meteor roles with with the puppetry. And then um, in 2012, I was working on this national tour of Peter Pan called Peter Pan 360. That was in it was in Atlanta when we first started. It was in a big giant circus tent, and I was the, the lead puppeteer in that. And that job ended abruptly. We our contracts were ended a year, oh, about few, a few months early. But oh. I expected to be on the road for at least another year. Right, right. So I had no place to go um, and no job. So a friend of mine took me on a road trip, and we just traveled across the country. And I was in Chicago, and a friend of mine said, "You know, I'm doing this thing called a puppet slam. You should come do it with me." I said, "What is a puppet slam?" This was, <laughs> you know, this uh, well, four years ago. And she said, oh, yes, yeah, we, we do these little variety acts with puppets. You and I are going to do something together. And I said, great. And it's my friend Casey Foster, who is an gr- amazing artist in Chicago. And I said, anything with you, Casey, I will totally do it. And so she, about a week before the Puppet Slam was supposed to happen, she backed out and said, I, I can't do this, you know, but you should do something on your own. And I said, no way. I've uh-huh. never never made a puppet. I've never created anything of my own. I've only worked for other people.
1: Oh, so you hadn't been doing any construction
0: no, at that point. No, no, I'd oh, only been working wow. for other companies. Yeah. I mean, a few, like I'd, I'd tie some strings or I could maybe glue a couple of things for other people, but sure, no sure. one was ever asking me to make anything. And so when I said, I, you know, I said, no, that's, that's not, that's not my thing. I don't do that. And she said, of course it is. You should totally do this. You know, what is it that you daydream about? And I said, well, I daydream about, Um, making content that makes people really happy. And she said, well, then just do that. Do a 10-minute piece. It's all you got to do. And I said, okay, fine. So I went off and she she brought me back to her house and she had this big bag of sock puppets um, from a piece that she had done recently. And she said, pick something out of here. And so I I wrote this poem previous to this meeting about um, feeling grumpy. And I was going to make the episode, this little like piece about being grumpy. And so I looked through the sock puppets and I found this little grumpy looking sock puppet it was very crude it was just kind of hot glued together and I said can I have this and she said sure so I took it home and I pulled it all apart and I started putting it back together and I sewed it all up and I put my hand into it and it was it was there instantly this little curmudgeon character came out <laughs> and he just had his own little life and I'm not I, and I understand, I know that puppets are not real it's, I'm not a person that goes into my studios and goes into my studio and just unloads on my puppets and expects them to help me with my problems. Sure, I, I know sure. it's just like it's a way of me to express myself. But I put this little creature on and he instantly showed himself to me. And I you know, it was very soon that I was like, "Okay, what is his name?" And he just said, "My name is Mr. Nicholas." And I thought, "Oh, cool. Ah. All right. Great." Um, and so I did this little puppet slam piece. It was 10 minutes long. Um and people loved it. They loved it, loved it, and said, is this from a larger piece? Because it was in the style of like an old television show, basically. And I wrote a theme song for myself. And, um, and there's a ukulele player myself, very similar to that of my first experience in puppetry, which was a one-man show with a musician. And mm-hmm. so I, I find that that was my inspiration for that. And um, so from there, a friend of mine who saw the piece said, you need to apply for the Puppeteers of America's National Festival. And I said, what on earth is the Puppeteers of America? Is that real? And said, yes, it is real. It is our main organization. And I thought, this is ridiculous. So I applied. I applied with this 10-minute sketch to the Puppeteers of America's festival. And they wrote back and said, if you can expand this to be 45 minutes in the next year, we'll bring you to our festival and you can perform here. Oh, my thought, gosh. Oh, okay, sure. So I agreed to it. And I did everything i could to get out of it i auditioned for things that i was perfect for (laughs) things that i was like oh they are going to hire me they're going to cheer when i walk in the room i'm so perfect for this and they wouldn't know and they wouldn't hire me so the universe was just just leading me towards this festival yeah and we went and i was so so scared because my you know i wrote this 40 minute show and we left the festival winning with best performance and were voted fan favorite from the national puppetry community at the Puppeteers of America's National Festival, and that was my entrance into the national community of puppetry, and it has been it has been the most fulfilling, most amazing ride since then. That's beautiful. That I, yeah. I,
1: so many elements there are so wonderful that you got you got this push into something you weren't necessarily comfortable. Well, two pushes into things you weren't necessarily yeah. comfortable with. Um, I, I love. I, I totally understand what you're saying with Mr. Nicholas because, you know, when you, when you, whether you're acting or writing or, or doing whatever, anything that involves character work, I think a lot of times there will just be that spark, whether you look at a certain object or have a memory or whatever, that creates a character. Mm. And it's almost, sometimes it almost feels like it didn't even come out of you,
0: but it's right. there.
1: And, right. and that's, that's kind of what it sounds like is, is that he was just, he was just there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like, like you, you introduced me earlier as the ambassador of joy and that's a, a title that I've given myself and it's, it's a big part of my life. I think that spreading joy is really important, especially now in these, in these times. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I pride, pride myself upon, but Mr. Nicholas is the antithesis of that. He is, he's not the ambassador of joy. and, that's part of me as well. That's a, that's a big part of me. Um so I mean on day, there, there are, there are days where I, I feel like I'm Mr. Nicholas. And so it's not like it's a, it is, it is a, it is a, uh, a character that I've created, but there's, it's a truth within myself of when I feel, you know, I, I, it, it's a way for me to talk about the world. Yes. In a way where I can be really saccharine and sweet. And just when I get so sweet that you want to just, slap me across the face. Mr. Nicholas is there to just slap me across the face for you. And you think, oh, yeah, great. I, okay, there we go. So that's where this dialogue comes from between the two of us that I've just, have fallen so in love with Mr. Nicholas and the stories that we can tell together.
1: Well, and that's, I think that is what works so well about your performances is that, you know, you couldn't go out there and just be all joy and sunshine. People wouldn't take it. They have to have that counterpoint. People have to be able to see the dark to appreciate the light, I think. Yes,
0: yes. And And no one, even if you are the ambassador of joy, you're not that all the time. I'm not that all the time. The past couple months, to be really honest, have been really difficult for me because I just feel like the things that I'm seeing on television and the news that I'm hearing just beats me down a little bit. And and there's part of me that feels like, oh, I, I can't feel this way because I've, I'm supposed to be the ambassador of joy, and, I, and there are moments that I'll express myself in, in this express myself in this way, and someone will say, "Oh, that you're not supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to be positive. and say, "Okay, yeah, I, I can be positive, but I'm also a human being, and we're not like, like you said. You, you, no one is only one thing. I, yeah. I can't be super positive all the time when I hear about a bunch of people getting killed or about." someone rising up in power that's really trying to do bad in the world or Uh, yes you know what do you do with that you just have to respect those feelings you have to let yourself feel like mr nicholas allow myself and mr nicholas to go together and be like mr nicholas you and i are going to have a big old pity party together and let's complain and then i rise myself back up again and try to try to find the positive in it all
1: well and i think that's an important message too is that not everybody feels great all the time. Even the ambassador of joy, you know, you have, have your moments, you know, yeah. no, nobody's up all the time. And it's, it's, uh, unreasonable to, to think that it would be that way.
0: Right. Right. It's a lot of pressure on yourself to feel like you need to feel that way.
1: Yeah. All the yeah. time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Mr. Nicholas came along and obviously changed everything for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Now what what was it like going to I can't even imagine going to this this puppet conference and being as green as you were then and I would imagine not really knowing anybody No, I didn't I know mean, anybody. You, you were basically traveling to another planet by yourself. <sighs> how how intimidating yep. was that?
0: It was really intimidating and really just fascinating to go to I had no I had no reference as to what this festival was gonna be. And I showed up there and there were five hundred people that came from all over the United States to be together because they all love puppets. And it was it was weird in a lot of ways. Like really weird. At first I thought, you know, what is going on? This is just I've never seen anything like this. And then a few days into it, I, I got in the groove of it, and, and I was really quiet I, I, I get really quiet around new people, and especially a large group of people. so yeah. I, I was very unassuming at first, and no one knew who I was or what I was really doing there, nor did I really know who I was or what I was doing there <laughs> in this community. Like, you know, I didn't I mean I, you know, you, I feel like when we go into new environments, you sort of suss out like, where, where's my place here? Who, is, who are my people? Who, where am I supposed to be? Mm. And so figuring that out was really. It was exciting, and it was it was it was it was great to me too that there was this whole history and a whole community and relationships that people had. And so many times in conversations, I said, "Who is that? Who is that?" And people would look at me and think, "You have no idea who that is." And I say, "No, <laughs> he's one of the most famous shadow puppeteers of all time." And I say, "Oh my <laughs> gosh, how did I not know that?" Um, so it was it was really it was magical. It, it magical is really it. it is how I would describe it. Really, really, really magical.
1: So following that, uh, I mean, that must have opened some doors for you.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, from there, I had presenters calling me, including the Center for Puppetry Arts, saying, great, we'd love to come book your, we'd love to book your show. You know, what, um, how we, how can we do that? What do you charge? And I'm like, let me get back to you on this. And I hang up the phone and think, oh my god. <laughs> what do I charge? Like, what am I supposed to charge for this? <laughs> like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. So, I mean, I was try- I mean, there's a, a couple presenters that I was like, alright, let's be honest here. I have no idea what I'm doing. And so there was, you know, there's a few companies that really helped foster these first steps out into the, into the world. And the, and the, the thing was, with the festival, I performed on a Saturday, and in most festivals, everybody gets to see every show. But my show was in a carpet store in this downtown area, and there were like five different shows happening at the same time, and I did the show twice. And so not everybody got to see it. So out of like 500 people, only like 150 of those 500 got to see the show. So there was – and people really loved it. And so there was this buzz around this new kid on the block who has this really – fantastic show. And so there's a lot of people that didn't see it, which I think really helped me because then these other communities these people all went back to their own communities around the United States and talked to their regional theaters and their puppet guilds and said, "We got to get this Joshua show out here." Yeah, yeah. So that really ha- like made some leverage for me and that the the festival leaving and saying I won best performance and or I was I was uh accoladed for best performance and voted fan favorite really seemed to help me a lot at first. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. And so it was, there was that aspect of, of being able to really start providing some work for myself and making an income off of this show that I'd worked so hard on, which was sort of a thought before, but didn't really understand what that, what the depth of that was. I didn't, I didn't really know, you know, what you do with a puppet show after you make it. And so there was that, that came into it. And then, I started getting calls and I started receiving messages from peers and friends that were inviting me to um, their own little puppet festivals and inviting me to their shows and really embracing me as a colleague and a friend. And it just started opening the doors to these really beautiful and wonderful people such as Bo Brown. And he is, I mean, he is just remarkable, that that Mr. Brown.
1: Yes, yes, he is. He's one of the
0: people that really... After that festival, really started reaching out to me, and we slowly started sussing each other out and seeing what each other were all about, and we've we've become really great friends, and I cherish that, and I, I think that is he's one of many people that I, I have as lifelong friends from that first festival.
1: He will work so hard to
0: raise people up.
1: Yeah, I guess is yep. the way to put it. Uh, yeah you you could not have he he is uh if you are the ambassador of joy he is the ambassador of uh talent and potential maybe
0: yeah <laughs> he just yeah. he he
1: gets i mean you can see how much delight he takes in seeing people that can do a thing and yeah. trying to put them in front of other people
0: yeah and he's genuine about he's genuinely interested in watching people succeed and being people's cheerleader i really see him he gets really excited about that, and it's not. I, I don't. I don't take it as a selfish thing. I don't take it as look at this person. I just yeah. discovered. Look at this opportunity. I get this person. Aren't I awesome for bringing them here? He he really does. He, I I love just seeing him introduce a new person to a group of people, and just the delight that he has with that. And it really is. It's he's wonderful. I, I think and, everybody should take a page from his book.
1: <laughs> and and you're right. There's there's no ego involved in it at all. If if anything, he is chasing power only so that he can help even more people.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah.
1: that, I, I really feel like his motivation is, I, I want to be as important as I can so that I can expose more talented people to the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a real all-around good guy. He's such a nerd. I just love oh, how yeah. nerdy he is. Oh. You, just love
1: you should hear our hours-long talks about toys and, and just, oh, he's, he's so Aww. great. Um, so you uh, this opened up doors, and now you have, uh, you know, best-case scenario going into this, you get recognized and have other opportunities, but you have ended up with your actual show being the desired thing, as opposed to just, oh, he's good, let's get him on our thing. Right. You, you have a marketable product. Yeah. That you now have to I, I did you do a whole lot of traveling prior to this or was this a new thing that you were going to have to adapt to?
0: No, I was on the road for about 4 years previous to this working for other um, national tours, so I was living out of two suitcases for about 4 years. Okay. But so never that's... with my never with my own with my own show. No.
1: Right, right. But it wasn't the travel was not a huge adjustment.
0: No, the traveling wasn 't no The amount of luggage and baggage and getting stuff from point A to point B was a huge adjustment.
1: Oh my gosh. Just traveling my
0: entire set and all my belongings and all my these precious creations that I had made and you know giving them off to a bunch of strangers in the airport and thinking, "I hope I see these when we land, and I hope they 're all in one place now that what, was a learning curve what uh
1: what kind of resources went into putting the forty-minute show together? Because it it is more than than just you and Mister Nicholas on stage. Uh, what did did you have to build a lot of things, or was it just a matter of pulling things together? How, how much effort did that take?
0: So much. There was I, I built this set. My dad helped me build the set that I have. Um, my sixth grade lab partner helped me build these curtains for my, for these beautiful curtains that I use that fit onto the set. Um, I had a collaborator, my friend Tim, he and I worked together on the music and the writing. I pretty much did on my own. Um, And then the piece, I did a workshop performance at a, at my old community theater that I worked at when I, that I I grew up in when I was a a little kid. Um, So it really was like an all hands on deck Effort and it was beautiful to to look at this this piece when I got to the festival and as I'm building it, thinking my dad may help me make this and one of my best friends in the whole world helped me make these curtains and I'm a little more confident because I've already done the show a couple of times for my community theater that I grew up in and and the the people that mentored me and fostered my creativity as a kid they were there helping me find an audience for this new thing that i was entering into and so it was it was such a wonderful and it was it was very stressful but to try to find the things that was were positive about it and the moments that really excited me were just the people that came out and, and the people that i could really the experts in my life that i could reach out to and say hey will you come help me make this vision that i have come true and that was that's intoxicating that's what i i, I really love about creating a new work is it is taking the pressure of making it be all on my shoulders and give it off to friends of mine and colleagues and people that I really respect and say, I love what you do and I want you to help me make this thing as awesome as it can be. Will you join my team and help me create this stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you get a finished product that, that you have, I guess, inspired and it's yours, but to know that that many people and that much love went into it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm an expert in a few things, like really a few things I'm, I'm an expert in, but I can't, I'm not an expert in everything. And I don't want to be. I can't, you can't, if I spread myself so thin and say I need to do all of it, then I'll just be good at everything. Yeah. But I want to be, I want it all to be excellent. So for that, you need to, you need help. You need some, you need to bring some other people on.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's, uh, sometimes that's a tough thing to do, to, to realize yeah. that. Yeah. So you're traveling now. You are in yep. demand uh, did you did you ever have any kind of mishaps with all the the amount of stuff that you had to get around like were did you ever have to perform without certain elements, or did you generally manage to get everything together?
0: generally managed to get everything together i have I had a, I have a suitcase um, that I keep a lot of the puppets in, and I was bringing them bringing this suitcase on board with me on the plane as a check as a piece of carry on. And, um, United Airlines one day told me that I couldn't bring it on board with me and I pleaded with them and I said, please, you cannot take this from me. This is really precious. And this, this airline flight attendant was not having a good day. and I think she just needed to assert some power and she said, you are not getting on this plane with that suitcase. And so I checked it. It was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so it was a small little plane. We had to go onto the tarmac to get on the plane. So I checked the bag with these guys, and I said, please, 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 please take care of this. They put fragile stickers on it. So we landed in Charlotte. I got off the plane and watched, the, watched my bags come out of the little conveyor belt, and I was on the tarmac, And they went. he took my suitcase and went to throw it into... The little cart with all the rest of the suitcases and it opened up on the runway and oh, oh my no. God, fell under the runway. And so I went to run over to, to get them and this police officer guy said, if you take another step, we're going to have to, we will arrest you. And I said, that's all my stuff on the tarmac. And they said, FDA rules, you cannot cross this line. And so I had to stand there and watch this man just pick up these, I had a, a paper, a, a piece of, a puppet that was made out of paper. Oh. He just grabbed a fistful of it and jammed it into the bag and destroyed two of the puppets and I just, oh, it was terrible. But it was, it ended, up, it ended up actually being my fault, according to United Airlines, because if I wanted to bring it on board, I should have, which I didn't think of, I should have purchased another airline seat to buckle my suitcase into. Oh my so. gosh,
1: that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the, the airlines, they just have some rules. And I, you know, after this happened, I said, how crazy is this? And a lot of people said, that's not so crazy. It's actually been happening to lots of different people. And then all these articles came up of instruments and other artists. And so you just have to learn, you know, so I don't, I don't check that stuff anymore. I now have, you know, some custom made luggage pieces that are padded out and it's all fairly stress free checking that stuff now so that was just part of me being green and learning how to travel these pieces around yeah yeah oh gosh yeah i know so i don't like to think about that too much anymore <laughs> no no
1: i can't imagine uh, but uh, like you said you know you you learned you grew yeah. and now you know
0: yep now i know
1: so traveling a lot and that brings us probably pretty close to dragon con uh was it 2014
0: 2014, yeah. Okay.
1: And uh, Bo wants to bring you in. Uh-huh. How does he describe Dragon Con to you, with you never
0: having having been? Oh my God. he's He said he was like, it's like Mardi Gras for nerds. And I was yes. like, okay. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you – does it have to do with dragons? And he's like, no, it doesn't have to do with dragons. It has to do with people that just love – uh, paranormal activity, people who love science, people that love puppets, people that love cartoons, and, and I thought, what are you talking about? And I looked it up online a little bit, and I saw, like, some videos of some guys dressed as the rug in the hotel, and they camouflage into the rug, and I thought, this isn't helping me at all, at all. <laughs> are they so army I, people? What does that right? mean? What I mean, it was like, oh, I guess, it's like a, sort of a costume party, or... Or what? And then I was going down for the national puppetry slam. So the national puppet festival is they pick the acts um, throughout the year that are that have been nominated throughout the United States from the, the, the puppets, individual puppet slams, and they pick the best of the best of that year to come to Atlanta. So that was my main focus. And they said, "And we're going to keep you on a couple extra days for Dragon Con." And I thought, "Okay, great." And my main, I'm my my sights are really just set on the national puppet slam festival. Sure. And then I'll go to Dragon Con for a day and we'll do a a slam or something. But I really didn't. I mean, it was sort of like a secondary thought and didn't really understand what we were doing. (laughs) Then we got there and I thought, what the hell have I gotten myself into? And why didn't I bring a costume with me? Oh, I know. That that was my that was like this. The big takeaway was I thought, oh, Joshua, you've got to get in on this costume party because it was so fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was overwhelming. It was really overwhelming of what unfolded once we got there.
1: Uh, what I love, and, and it is so much bigger. Uh, that that's actually uh, speaking of of oh, I have to have a costume. That's actually how my mask originally came about. Uh-huh. Uh, I had I, years and years ago. I went to DragonCon a few times, and then in two thousand nine. No, gosh, seven, eight. Yeah, maybe 2008 or 9. Uh, I went back and I felt so out of place because I had no costume whatsoever. And I, I don't have a lot in the way of costuming skills, but I knew a guy that could make me these Mexican wrestling masks. Mm. And from, I had already been writing online and, and doing, you know, things at the time, but, uh, that, brought out the the phantom troublemaker character that's kind of a big part of where that all came together and ever since then i've i've got all kinds of stuff but i i understand that oh my gosh i need a costume why am i why am i here and not dressed up and and celebrating which is another reason why wear a cape was so powerful yeah so you're there you realize you have no costume you're probably right. starting to pick up on what's going on a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I'm not in that world. That's not a world that I know of. And there's, you know, it was, it was fascinating. It was really fascinating to see people that were so passionate about making their costumes, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. And then seeing the people that were so passionate about comic books, and that's, and I know, and I know the comic, book, comic books exist, and that people are excited about that, but to see. It's like the top tier of enthusiastic people about these niche things. Yes. That I really didn't, just didn't know existed. I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know that existed and just to see the, who it brought out and, uh, and let my mind sort of wander as I sat there not in costume as an observer watching all these people and thinking, I wonder if these, some of these people are, are this free and this confident when they're not here. I wonder if this place brings out a life for them. I wonder if if they feel similar to a lot of people in my community when we get together in the puppetry community and they feel like, Oh, I'm glowing now that I'm here amongst my people. Yes. And I got that sense that that was it. And that, that is what really charmed me and really that brought me to, to the puppets. slam. that, that that's where this piece that I wrote for, for dragon con came from is, just sitting for hours and watching Dragon Con unfold and meeting all these people and and just as an observer looking at it all from all different angles and trying to assess what it is that I am witnessing here because I don't connect to, to Star Trek or paranormal activity or or Star or Star Wars I mean I like these I like Star Wars but I'm not that's not my thing right, but I, right. I but my thing is finding something that you love and finding community that you love to be in and and fi- and and helping people and supporting people and being cheerleaders for people to find a community that make them feel at their best because that's the greatest feeling in all the world and that is really what i took away from Dragon Con and that got me so excited well, and that's I, what that's what led me to the piece in at at in the Pocket Slam
1: over the years as i've had the opportunities to to do more at Dragon Con and be more part of the programming and, and, and really understand it more. Um, it, it is for people who have those very niche specific interests, but they love them so much that they respect everyone else's interests as well. Yeah. It's a gathering of people who love tons of different things and love that people love tons of different things, right? It's very inclusive. It's very. I see that you like that thing. I'm not into it, but you know what? It's awesome that you are.
0: Yeah, and it's like,
1: just such, such a magical atmosphere,
0: right? Or like I was saying before about the puppetry community and how isolating it feels. It's. I imagine it's it, it's really interesting to to love something so much, and maybe the people in your community at home don't connect with that and that you're, you're really into this thing. And then all of a sudden you come to this place that you're around like 50 other people that love it just as much of you as you do. Maybe a couple of people love it more. And I imagine that feeling is like, wow, there are other people out there that love this thing. And, and that like you're thriving in a way. And, and what do you take away from this? Like when you leave, what do you take away? You take away this community, you take away that, you know, you're not alone and that, you know, it, it maybe it's not so cool to be as nerdy and geeky about this niche thing at home. And, but you go back home and you think, oh, I just came from a place where this was it. This was the com, and I am holding my head a little higher. And, and
1: you get to be a superstar there. If you want yeah. to dress up like Batman, if you want to dress up <laughs> like Leslie Nope from Parks and Recreation, whatever you want to yeah. do, you yeah. get to be that person that, you know, Monday through Friday, when you're sitting at your desk filing your paperwork, you you don't get to be that. But at DragonCon, right. you get to
0: shine. Yeah. Yep. Totally. I love that.
1: So, fantastic experience for you being part of the, uh, I, I imagine that weekend had to be fairly hectic though, taking part in both DragonCon and the National Puppet Slam.
0: Yeah. Yeah, How- I mean, the, The slam was, I mean, the slam felt fine. There was a piece that I'd done before and so that was okay. So we were performing that every night. But then there was this, I started feeling this growing pressure to do something at the, at the Dragon Con slam. So I got down there and he was, I was like, should I, should I do the same thing I did at the National Slam? And he's like, no, can you do something else? And I thought, yeah, what do you want me to do? And he said, you know, just something like geeky and nerdy. And I thought, oh God. So I started walking around like I said and I'm like, well I can't do something about Star Wars. I don't know anything about that. And so I'm looking at all these different tracks. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I don't know what to do. And other people are like, I'm doing something with this Dragon Lord from this show. And right, meets right. this and I thought, gosh, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so then I just thought, like I said to you before, like, okay, why don't I just try to make something about this community? And that that's something that I've been asked to do before is is like make a little piece about some community or like respond to something that I'm a part of and try to bring people together that that feels like something that I'm starting to hone in on a lot is how is getting in front of an audience and then getting us all on the same page and make us feel really good and celebrate something that we all have in common and so I wrote this piece that I was still writing up until our tech for the for Dragon, before Dragon Con, and I thought, oh, God, I have no idea how this is going to go. And he's like, there's going to be a 1,000 people there. And I thought, this is terrible. <laughs> he's like, it starts at 12 a.m., and you're going on last. And I thought, oh, Bo, what are you doing? And so I didn't go on until 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And I'm back there, and I thought, I've, A, I've never performed this late ever in my life. And I had just finished doing the National Slam, and I was tired, and I'm backstage, and I'm listening to the other, these other pieces going on before me. And I'm thinking, 3 o'clock in the morning, who is, A, who's going to still be out there at 3 in the morning? Yeah. And B, are they just over this at this point?
1: Well, in what kind of shape are they in?
0: Right. Well, are they all wasted? <laughs> Am I going to go out there and just make it, like, try to be, like, do something that I, I made? And, and I'm going to, like, share my heart and feel a little vulnerable. And, like, are they just going to boo me off or feel like, oh. who is this Joker? He's not. He doesn't know. He's not making any comments on Star Wars. Right, he's not doing right. this nerdy stuff. And I'm just going out there and, and saying, you know, trying to make a comment on, you know, going off and, and being a wonderful human being. Because that's, that's, my, that's my view of what we found at Dragon Con. And I get out there and I think, oh, God, here we go. And I get out there and there's a, this sea of people. And, you know, it took me like a few minutes, like a minute to get into it. And then Mr. Nicholas came out, and then the first couple of jokes landed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, oh, yeah. we are about to have so much fun. Like, I just felt a 1,000 people just all with me. And I thought, okay, all right, here we go. Okay, this is going to be great. And it, it went on, and it was awesome. It was, I mean, it was A, it was a great performance for me. It felt, it felt solid. I, I got great reaction from people. I, I, it was a lot of enthusiasm, and it felt great. And then I got off and I thought, okay, good, great, now we can go to bed. And then we went out there in, in the front and these strangers coming up and crying and hugging me. I thought, what did I do? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't make this thing. I did not write this two, five minute piece and say, I'm going to write this thing that's going to make all these people cry. Or I'm going to do this thing that's going to touch everybody. I just wrote a, a truthful piece. About what I experienced at DragonCon for the first time and through the lens of Mr. Nicholas. And it was that Mr. Nicholas didn't want to leave DragonCon and he had fallen so madly in love with it. And he thought, the rest of the world sucks. I don't want to leave DragonCon. This is, this is where it's at. And the lesson was, well, how, what do you do when you leave DragonCon? And it was a, a piece on, you know, put on a cape and no matter what, what you, what you, what challenges you may find when you're out of here, you put on a cape. And you sing this little silly cape song, and other people, it will like it's like a Batman call, and other Dragon Con people will come to your rescue, and they'll help you solve your problems. And it was, and it was just this silly little thing, but people were so touched by it, and that really, oh, it felt so good because that's what I want. I don't, I'm, 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 in like we talked about with Bo, there is a large part of what I do is void of ego and it really is about wanting to really give people a gift and really make people feel good and that was my intention when i originally started making my own work Is i want to create work that make people feel happy and make people feel good and to feel that at dragon con at this new community that i knew nothing of was it was awesome that was one of one of the highlights of my creative career for sure
1: well, and it was absolutely a highlight uh, of everybody that was in that room. I guarantee it was a highlight it's of our so, our Dragon it's Con it's, experiences. I
0: keep that. It's so good. I'm so so happy that I was able to do that for you guys.
1: It, it was absolutely magical. So, right. oh, God. having said that, uh, what do you
0: have going on Hello. now? What I'm going on? Okay, I thought you were going to say what are you going to do at the Slam this year? And I thought no, I no, 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 idea. no, so. no, no. Um, what I'm going on now. So now I am, I'm currently um, finishing rehearsals for my new show. So I have a new uh, 50 minute show that's premiering in Canada next week at the Puppets Up International Puppet Festival. And it's uh, the second episode of the Joshua show. And it's a new 50 minute piece that is, uh, that is taking, you know, t- finding its legs for the first time and we are, we're going to be premiering it. So yeah, it's uh and a lot of work, but I'm excited about it.
1: And then in September, you will be back in Atlanta.
0: Back in Atlanta.
1: That is fantastic.
0: Yep, at the National Slam, and then I'll be at Dragon Con again. And I'll be in costume and I'll be more prepared and Yeah. I'm I so cannot excited.
1: I cannot even begin to imagine what a fully prepared and powered up Mr. Joshua <laughs> is going to be like at Dragon
0: Con. Well, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I don't know. I mean, I do feel a little pressure of, of like, what am I going to do? Right. For how do plan? I follow that? But we'll see. You know, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll just do, you know, just do something that I, I believe in and just have fun and think about, you know, how can I delight some people again, you know? And I, I you know, and, oh, and actually, funny enough, my new show, I wrote this song. I wrote this, well, I, I had a collaborator of mine and I wrote this song um, about wearing a cape. And a lot of this new show is about the power um, that comes over you when you wear a cape. So I took a piece from Dragon Con um, that really inspired me. And so my new show, a big thread of that, is centers around this idea of feeling powerful. And, and you know, what do you do on days when you feel like the world around you is falling apart? And part of that is putting on a cape and being your own superhero. And I, I got that. I got that from DragonCon. And that, that's, that's a big part of my new show right now. And so I'm, I'm really excited to premiere that. And then a couple weeks later, come to DragonCon where that, that seed was planted. So that, this is a really special summer for me.
1: Well, that is absolutely wonderful, man. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on and sharing oh, your story.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. This was so nice.
1: Before we wrap it up, where can we find you online?
0: Um, so you can check out, uh, uh, you can go to www.joshuashow.com. That's my website. And from there you'll find uh, some video, you'll find a video there that'll link to my YouTube page. You can find us on Facebook at The Joshua Show. And hopefully this fall we'll be having more online content. So after this show is up and on its feet then the focus is switching over to really amping up, ramping up and amping up the, uh, the online content for people so they can, I can have a, find an audience nationwide and worldwide online so we'll see lots of exciting things coming up
1: well thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it please please tell mr nicholas i said hi
0: oh i certainly will (laughs) i certainly certainly will i'll I'll help you down at dragon con so you can give him a big old squeeze when you see him
1: absolutely and uh yeah i look forward to seeing both of you in just a few weeks here okay buddy
0: enjoy the rest of your summer and i'll I'll see you yeah it's just you next month
1: Of course, since Dragon Con is so close, I have to remind you that pre-orders for Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show t-shirts are live now at NeedlessThings.storenv.com. And actually, by the time this posts, they are probably going to be regular orders because the shirts should arrive any day now. And as soon as they do, I will start mailing orders out. And if you order now, you'll have it in time for Dragon Con. So you can uh, wash cold, tumble dry medium, I think, inside out. Protect that uh, that that image, that print, whatever it is. But yeah, the t-shirts are available now. NeedlessThings.storenb.com. Please go and order yourself a t-shirt. Uh, that is another way that you can support Phantom Troublemaker and everything that I do. In addition to going to supportphantom.com and by going to needlessthingssite.com and clicking on the top right image for odious lists and buying yourself a copy of the newest, most fun party game I've ever played. Uh, where you have yourself and your friends sit around and essentially make dirty lists. You can read my review on NeedlessThingsSite.com. Uh, that is also where you can follow along for all of the Dragon Con fun from myself and the other Needless Things Irregulars. I'm sure Beth, Jerry, Christina, everyone's going to have plenty of Dragon content coming up for you, or Dragon Connery, as I have been known to call it to the annoyance of some. So There you go. It's very important. This is the time of the year where I need your support the most because I put tons and tons of effort into what I do at DragonCon because it's the biggest opportunity for me to expose myself to the most people. That didn't sound right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. And of course... It's at NeedlessThingsSite.com. Love you, mean it, uh-huh.